0: You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out
1: perrynoble.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We are grateful that you've joined us today. My name is Shane Duffy and I'll be our host today as we ask Perry Noble your questions. Last time we were together, we told you that we wanted to get you guys to Twitter in some questions about leadership. And so we're going to jump on those today. We've got the top ten questions, and so we're going to run through those. Hopefully we'll have enough time for all of them. But before we do that, I just wanted to remind everybody out there and also make a special announcement about our New Spring Leadership Conference that's happening on September the 16th, 2010. This week we announced we're dropping the price to $99 a ticket. The reason we do that is because we have a philosophy here at New Spring. We simply are not excited about making lots of money. We find out what something's going to cost, and then we're going to price something at a place where we don't come out that far ahead. We simply want people to get encouraged by and be a part of what we're doing. And so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Perry so he can tell you a little bit more about who's coming and again, the information on the price.
1: Yeah, you know, we were really, you know, signups were going really good and we could have filled this thing up at 149 but once we started looking at costs and expenses and realizing, oh my gosh, um, we could really cut this price and a lot more people could come and hear um, from some, some great leaders, we slashed it to 99 bucks. So 99 bucks for one day of teaching from Francis Chan, Mark Driscoll, Stephen Furtick, judah smith judd Wilhite, and since it's uh new spring church they're gonna let me speak um so we're really excited about the and listen it's gonna be six speakers and one day so there's gonna be like the band's gonna do a song then a speaker then a song then a speaker then a song then a speaker and it's i mean it's going to be intense and i'm per i'm i'm just personally looking forward to this event so 99 bucks um, and you can register at that price. I'm looking right now. August thirteenth, yes, actually, um, you can see how professional we are here at the Period Noble Leadership Podcast. August thirteenth is the deadline. So if we got people going, no, 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 we don't really care because we just told you August thirteenth, ninety nine bucks. It's a steal. Register now. Register a friend. Register an enemy. Register mm-hmm. everybody you can because it's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Just uh, for myself, I know I'm excited about being here and uh, it's going to be an amazing day. So out there the best $99 you can spend for leadership instruction in 2010. Oh, that new-
1: includes that includes lunch too, Shane. Oh from yeah. Chick-fil-A. We will be Chick-fil-A you. lunch, Chick-fil-A and sure. we will have it with and without the pickle. So, with and Because people get upset about that. I don't even yeah, once
0: the pickle's on there, it tastes like a pickle. It anyway. does,
1: man. But I love pickles. I love <laughs> I, the pickles I on my chicken sandwich. I like cheese on mine. Can we get cheese? Yeah, absolutely. We'll okay. take care. We'll get you one with cheese. All right, here
0: we go. Let's jump into these questions. We are excited about uh, the questions, and they're certainly a diverse set of questions. So we're just going to jump in and take them from the top. Uh, question number one is from at Benjamin Bowen, and he asked, I'm sorry, at uh, Benjamin Bowman. And he asked the question, Perry, what is the most essential lesson
1: in leadership? Um, you know, it's really funny when you go to a bookstore, the number of books on, on leadership. And I, w- I would say that the—I even hate to use the term, but the um, secular world would answer this different from church world. Uh, I would say to specifically church leaders, the most essential lesson in leadership— is learning to listen to the voice of God and doing what he says. Um, I, it, really, it really doesn't get any more simple than that. If you go back to Scripture, and this is something that God um, taught me years ago but is continuing to teach me now. If you go back to Scripture, every leader um, who accomplished something great uh, didn't do it because they came out of three- or four- or five-year meetings having to do with strategy. Now, I'm not against strategy. I'm just saying when strategy trumps spirit, it always sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, the S is, that's the Baptist in me bringing that's out the good. alliteration. But I, 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 learning to, every one of those leaders in the scriptures that did something great, they just learned to listen to God's voice and then do what God says. Because at the end of the day, if you're a church leader, um, God's not going to tell um, 78 other people who live in another state who barely know you what is best for your church. Um, God's going to let you know. God's going to let your leadership team know. Um, but I, I, I wish I had a longer answer for that, but it's listening to the voice of God and doing what he says, which I think one of the reasons so many times we as leaders um, start making mistakes is because we get so busy doing the ministry that we don't carve out time to actually listen to the voice with God, long walks with God, time with God, um, there is nothing more valuable for a leader than to listen to the voice of God and do what he says. I mean, you go through the book of um, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and, you know, one of the most common phrases in those four books is, and the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses. Moses didn't have a clue what he was doing. He did not have a, a 15-year strategy a 3-year growth plan, you know, 7 steps to freedom, um, 14 ways to go across the Red Sea. All he did and he's one of the greatest leaders in the Bible was listened to God's voice and then did what God said and he was able to lead a, over a million people from a land of slavery to a land of freedom. So that that would be the that would be my answer. That's a good answer. I'm going to
0: divert from the questions real quick because we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God because we had that question asked. But, Perry, let's say you've heard the voice of God. What advice would you give somebody to get over the hump and actually do what he's asked them to do? Um,
1: if you've heard the voice of God and speak to you, um, then it's, it's already scary. Um, I heard Pete Wilson say this in a message today Um, at our church. He spoke today at our church. He said, when is the last time in the scriptures that God ever asked anyone to do anything that was easy? And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. God never asked anyone to do anything that was easy. And so understanding when you hear the voice of God communicate to you that that the vision he's going to give you is overwhelming, because if you could accomplish that vision apart from the provision of God, then that vision didn't come from God because God never would never ask us to do anything that we could accomplish in our own strength because we've got to understand at the end of the day how desperate we are for him. So, um so the the way I would say is make sure you, or when, when you hear the voice of God is eventually you got to take a step of faith and 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 do something because one of the funny things is you'll meet a Christian and you'll they'll say, "Well, this is what I'm going to do." And, da, 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 and I'm like, "Well, what are you doing?" to To get ready to do that, and they go. I'm just praying about it, and you see them a month later, or three months later, or six months later, or a year later, and they're still praying about it. Well, you go back to Moses. He's standing at the bank of the Red Sea, and he's quote praying about it. He's asking God, and God said, "Why are you talking to me? March." And Moses had to actually walk between two walls of water, which took faith, which the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible. To please God. So I would tell people, you know, yeah, it's scary when God, sh- you know, gives you a vision. It's overwhelming. But God doesn't give you a vision to pray about it. You don't have to pray about what God has already declared. If God has already declared it, then you just need to do it. And um, so that, that's that's what I would say. I hope I answered that question.
0: That was good. Don't okay. have to pray about what God's already declared. That's a good word. All right. The second question from at TJ Hankey. It's really a two-part question. I'm adding the second part. That's
1: funny that his name is Hanky. It
0: is Hanky. Hey, TJ. All right, here we go. Uh, Perry, how do you discern the voice of God? How do you know you're hearing from God?
1: Um, number one, God never contradicts his word. Um, so if you want to make sure you're hearing the voice of God, you got to spend a lot of time in his word. It's... Um, people that that claim God, quote, quote, God is telling me, when they're not reading their Bible, um, I'll just be honest with you, I don't believe them. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't do that. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Um, You know, well, God could do that. Well, yeah, he also used a donkey in the scriptures to speak to someone, um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to leave here and go out and hang out with farm animals to try to discern the the will of God this afternoon. Um, you got to be in the Word of God, because God's word and God's spirit always work together in harmony. So it, that's why it always blows my mind when people go, well, God isn't speaking to me now. And I'm like, how thick is your Bible? Please don't ever say God's not speaking. God's always speaking. We're just not listening. I mean, um, just go read John 3, 16 four or five times. If God can't, if you, you know, just the reminder that he sent his son for us, that's a good word right there. Um, and so I would say you've got to be in the Word of God. Number two, you've got to surround yourself with people of God um, who, li- who read the Word of God. Because one of the funny things that, that I've seen is is if I really feel like God's speaking to me, one of the first things I'll do is get in a group, usually Shane, our leadership team, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't ever s- step in front of the team and go, thus the Lord has said, because that's, I mean, that's the Moses approach. And, you know, I just don't want to be that guy because the the, the pastor can use that line and lead his church straight into a black hole. Um, I'll go, guys, I really feel like God may be saying this, or I really think that God may be saying this. And after I've prayed through what I feel like he's telling me, and then I listen for people to either speak to that Um, or speak against that. And if some of the godliest people that I know and love and respect go, hey, bro, I don't don't think you're going down the right path, then as a leader I've got to place myself in a position of submission to the people around me and go, you know what, let me pray through that and see. And, Shane, I can honestly only think of one or two occasions in the ten-and-a-half-year history of New Spring Church where I had to go against everybody and go, guys, I, I, I just really feel this is what the Lord says. And because I think I have so much equity with you guys, you, you all said, all right, let's do it. And it turned out to, it turned out to be okay. Um, but you got you to be in the Word of God. You got to surround yourself with, with people of God. I would say that those are the two most important things. And don't put people of God before the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, I'm, the Word of God is so powerful because it comes from a God who's so perfect. I mean, he's he. It I, you just can't go wrong uh, hearing the voice of God out of the Word of God.
0: That's really good. I'll just affirm what you said, Perry. The One of the coolest things over the, the last five and a half years I've been a part of the leadership team is seeing how we have, as a group have been able to get in sync with hearing the voice of the Lord in a way that we just know in our spirits— that everybody's on the same page and when we're not we pause we don't make decisions that's right and so that's paid dividends for us and one other thing i'll add is i heard jensen franklin say one time if you can't hear god read god that basically god's word is god's voice that's and right I, I love what you said about that be so your answer was be in the word of god and surround yourself with people who are in the word of god that's right i love it uh second part of that question is basically this and maybe we've already answered it, but what would you say should be the leader's primary spiritual pursuit?
1: Um, I, I go, I just go back to, you're right, reading, reading the Word of God. Um, I, I feel like if you're in the church and you're not in your leader and you're not into God's Word, um, and, Shane, that's very important, you're not into God's Word because you're seeking a word of direction. Mm-hmm. You're seeking Him. Mm-hmm. Um because I can give you a verse that gets you really fired up and pumped and motivated. and we can put it on a Christian t-shirt and a coffee mug and sell it in our bookstore and preach a series around it and it's great. But one of the mistakes we make many times as leaders is we go to God's word seeking direction and not seeking God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that's the primary thing. You don't open if the only time as leaders we're open in our Bible is to prepare a Bible study or a sermon or or whatever, then I think we're failing as leaders. We've got to, I mean, what would Jesus say? You know, seek him with all of our hearts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's our responsibility.
0: That's good. I've heard you say many times, Perry, if we go to God's word or into prayer looking for God to confirm something we've already decided, we're going with the wrong heart. Yep. We need to seek what the Lord wants us to do. Next question came in or has come in from at Tom Slovinsky. I hope I pronounced that correct. And his question has to do with this, Perry. How do you know you've been called by God? And I'm going to make an assumption for Tom that he's talking about called into leadership or ministry, not necessarily called into salvation. So how do you know you've been called by God into leadership
1: or ministry? Okay, now I'm going to give the Christian answer because if I don't, somebody's going to email this in. We're all called into ministry. Okay, there you go. Yay. Good um, job. Yay, Mr. Spiritual Person. Uh, but called into vocational ministry. Ha-ha. I think the, the way you know that, Shane, is you just you just can't get away from it. Because um, the advice I give to, to people when they come to me and they say, Perry, I'm feeling like I might be called into ministry. Um, what should I do? And I don't. I say this jokingly, but I say it seriously also. Um, I look at them and I say, if there's any way to get out of it, yeah. get out of it.
0: That's good.
1: Um, you better make sure. Uh, because the last statistics that I saw, um, only about 10% – of the people entering the ministry today are actually going to finish. There's a 90% failure rate of people entering the ministry. That'd be like saying, hey, man, um, we're going to go skydiving, and he, there's 10 of us, and we've got 10 parachutes. Now, only one's going to work. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs> Nobody wants to take... So, I tell people, you, you better make sure. You better make sure that you're called by God to go in the ministry because... I can get a bunch of people in a room and talk about the calling of God, and we can stir up emotions, and we can make people want to go in the ministry, but at the end of the day, there needs to be a, um, I I don't have anything else to do with my life other than this. Because, honestly, I mean, I've had people ask me, Perry, if you weren't in the ministry, what would you be doing? Shane, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't. I don't have this secret, um, se- secret in the back of my mind like, um, okay... think in about 10 years I'd rather go do this. I I don't have that. It's like I can't help but do what I do. I mean, I just can't help it.
0: That's good. You know, Perry, you prove out something that I think the Lord showed me a while back, that calling is simply burden plus opportunity. And burden is what you just described right at the top of that. That is something you can't not do, and that's either vocational or not vocational. When the Lord has, like you said, everybody's in ministry. That's the church answer, but in reality, God will place a burden on you, and when He presents an opportunity, that equals your call. The As other, you know, the th-
1: chain. The other thing that popped on my mind is look for affirmation from godly people, mm-hmm. not from all people, but from godly yeah. people. Like if you think you've been called to sing. And you got a bunch of godly people telling you you can't sing, like you you, like you should not do that because every time you do, my birds crawl into the corner of their cage and they mess all over themselves and they want to die because like you should never. Or you got guys that go, um, I'm called to preach, and then you listen to them preach and you go, uh, I um wow, listen, I'm sure you love people and but you shouldn't. You know, I'm I'm serious. Well, I'm like me, I know I'm not called to organize anything. Like, I know that's not my gift. If, if I announced to our staff we're having a big event and I'm organizing it, all of our staff would leave the ministry mm-hmm. and go work at Zaxby's. I mean, I, I just, it's just insane. So I, I'm just saying look for the affirmation of, of godly people. One of the ways I knew I was called is I got saved on May 27th. The next week I started teaching Vacation Bible School. Um, that Thursday in Vacation Bible School I spoke to seven sixth graders and four of them gave their lives to Christ. And the youth pastor in my church came to me and said, I think you might be called to preach. And he gave me another opportunity about three and a half weeks later on a mission trip. I spoke in the basement of some church in Maryland. Um, and that night, like eight or nine people gave their lives to Christ. And it, it was. And he came to me and he said, yep, God's called you. And, and I, I still had to pray through that because I didn't mm-hmm. want to be called by man. I wanted to be called by God. But it's you. You seek the affirmation of, of godly people. That's good. Next question comes from at
0: that pastor guy, and he, uh, Perry, it's, he's got mu- multi layers to this. But I'm just going to ask it like this: What's the steps you've gone through in
1: building the leadership team around you? Um. Yeah. One of the questions. Um. In fact, I, I see the. It was very interesting the way he worded this question. Um, the first steps of gathering the team. Yep. Um, I think I would tell church planters and pastors um, when you're assembling a leadership team, and uh, I can't even say this. I, I think it might have been Andy Stanley who said this. Um, if not, I'm going to say it was because he's so smart. Um, don't. I would say don't assemble your leadership team too early. Like, um. I meet church planters who are, you know, five months out from planting their church, and they're like, I'm the pastor, and then this is my CFO, and this is my creative arts director, and this is my, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, well, how, you know, tell me about your church. Oh, we haven't even planted yet. Mm-hmm. And what, what a pastor will typically do um, is appoint some of his best friends to leadership positions and these guys are great guys. I mean, they really are, and they love Jesus, and they're saved, and they're going to heaven, but they should not be in that position. And the pastor will hamstring himself into a really bad leadership situation where three months in, six months in, nine months in, he's having to either cut people loose or compromise the yep. vision that God has given him because he can't go to the level that God's called him to go because he's— um, slung an albatross around his neck. So I, I would say, don't assemble your leadership team too early. Allow God to bring the leaders. Um, if you don't, that's the other thing. Is is if you don't have if you have an open position, and you can't find the right person, don't fill that position. Mm-hmm. It's better to have no person in the position than the wrong person in the position. Because everybody in the organization can can pitch in and make the responsibilities of that position happen, but you get the wrong person in that position, oh, my gosh, it could, man, mean, you, you, you could pay for weeks, months, and years for that. So I, w- I would say don't assemble your leadership team too early. Um, you know, how to assemble your leadership team. Um, I, wow, pray. I, I, seriously, because God will confirm to you who, who does and who does not need to be on that team. Um, those are just some of the things that popped in my mind. That's good. And can I follow up with that? The reason for not putting your
0: leadership team together right from the get-go is simply none of you have experience, right? You need right. to see who can execute the roles you're, you think they're going to be able to do before you give them that responsibility. Otherwise, you're in the, the situation you mentioned earlier. And I know just sitting in your coaching network several times, I mean, that's the dilemma many of those pastors have been in. They say, how do I transition my mm-hmm. team and I've got this guy who's awesome and great but just simply can't do the work. And it's yeah. maybe because they put their team together too early. Yep, every time. All right, next question comes from at Nolan Galido. cool name. Uh, here's the question. Galito. He wants you to talk about servanthood. And basically this, just from your perspective uh, uh, as the senior pastor uh, of this church, how do you view servanthood? What's your responsibility on servanthood? and then can somebody uh, serve too much and get overworked? Um,
1: Yeah, I'll answer that uh, two ways. Uh, The first thing is how do I view servanthood? We're all in the church, especially those called in vocational ministry, um, the leader, I've heard people go, I'm a leader. Well, that's great. The leader is the first to serve. Um, Jesus was the first to serve. I mean, Good gosh, man. What, John 13, where he washed the disciples' feet? And so if you're not a servant, you're not a leader. Um, you're a dictator. Yeah. You're a butthole, yeah. but you're not a, a, a spiritual leader. Um, so I, I, I would say um, you've got to be willing to serve. I remember one time, and never will forget this. Uh, I, I was doing some type of interview or something, and I mentioned, I was talking about Lee McDermott, our um, Anderson Campus worship leader. Yeah, he is he, actually he's over all the worship leaders and um, he was we hired him four or five months in and he's just he's been with me now for 10 years and I was mentioning then in the early days and even now because um, somebody asked me about Lee's job responsibility and I'm like, well he leads worship. Um, he leads the singing um, but his job responsibility is to do anything that the church needs him to do. And so uh, if I called a staff meeting and said guys, I need you to stack chairs um, Lee, would go stack chairs. He's got that kind of heart. He's just willing to do that. Well, I remember there was um, there was a worship leader um, listening or whatever who was, um, I would say an arrogant prima donna. Yeah, I can say that because I'm not going to mention his name, because um, I don't really remember who it was. But he got so p.o'd, and he was like, "You can't ask a worship leader stack chairs." His gifting is leading worship. And my response to that was, yes, his gifting is leading worship. His calling is to serve. And if you ever let your gifting over, you know, if you if you ever put your gifting over your calling, then you will ultimately fail in ministry. Your calling comes before your gifting, um, and so I, so you know, keep keeping that in mind is if you've got somebody on staff that's unwilling to do anything, well, I I just don't do that. Well, I just don't do that. Well, I just don't do that. Um, They need to be cut loose like yesterday. I mean, it's just you got to be called to serve. Now, the pastor or the leader should never take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're all just called to serve. Um, The second question is um, can a servant get overworked? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, uh, I had a counselor tell me one time, is one of the wisest things anybody ever said to me. Um it, it, he was talking to me about burnout in ministry. And you hear some people go, Well, I'd I'd rather burn out than rust out. And I'm like, Well you're stupid because both finish bad. You burn out or you rust out, and that's like both finishing bad. It's like I'd I'd rather jump out of the airplane with no parachute than drown. Okay, well both people die. <laughs> I mean right. that sucks. Both people die. So I I don't think I really don't think Shane and I've examined on um, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and even looked at the maps a couple times, I don't see God calling anyone to burn out. I've never seen that calling. Um, and, and so we've got to learn to, to rest. We've got to learn to have fun. We've got to learn to take breaks. Um, my counselor told me one time, God calls those who, w- who will not work lazy. He calls those who will not rest disobedient. Um, the longest command... In the Ten Commandments is the one on rest, Mm -hmm. because God knew we'd screw that up, and he, like the one on don't kill people, that's pretty simple. You should not, you shall not kill. That I mean, that's pretty, that's that's pretty blunt to the point. The one that you should not, you know, you need to take a rest. You need to take the Sabbath. That's a long command, and I love it when people go well. That was the Old Testament. I don't think that that exists anymore. Okay, so then we can kill people, right? Because, I mean, that was in that same category. So um, if you don't rest, God's going to kill you. Uh, I I would say, don't. yeah, a servant can get overworked. Because the other reason, Shane, that we can get overworked is, honestly, we we say we believe in the sovereignty of God, but we don't actually believe in the sovereignty of God. Because we'll go, um, oh, my gosh, if I don't get this done, if I don't get this done, if I don't get this done, hey, you know what? If you don't get this done, quote, unquote, whatever this is, he's still God. He's that's still right. faithful. Um, his mercies are made new every morning. Um, the sun's still going to come up. And if the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, um, then your inability to not get something done isn't going to cripple it either. So I, I would say you got to trust in the sovereignty of God. That's
0: really good. You know, the thing that puts those two together is a servant that's overworked is probably one who's not observing the Sabbath. And I just read through uh, in the book of Exodus how the day before the Sabbath, God provided a double portion. God provides for the time that he wants us to rest, and not doing that is simply not trusting him.
1: Yeah, the other thing about that, Shane, is we've made insane breakneck speed in the church normal and even spiritual, and it's not. I mean— I was reading a Max Licato book about seven or eight. No, 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 no. About fifteen years ago, and I forgot what book it is. But it was, it was a really interesting chapter because Max wrote a chapter on Sabbath, and he said if you read through the Gospels, um, in the in the last week of the life of Jesus, you can't find one single account of him doing anything on the Sabbath. So on the last week, which I would say is probably the most important week, one of the most, one of the most important weeks of his life, um, the Son of God submitted himself to the Word of God and took a Sabbath as an example for us. And by the end of that week, look what he accomplished. The resurrection, that's a pretty big deal. Like I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that one. So I, I would just say you, you got to learn to take a Sabbath because you can't get overworked. So true.
0: And can I just repeat, Perry, what you said? I thought it was so good. If you put your gifting over your calling, you fail. That's right. That's just a really good point. All right, the next question comes from at Follow Tim, and his question is a practical one. Uh, He said, have you considered worship music delivered over video to campuses? How was it
1: received when we had Mercy Me? Um, It was received wonderful when we had Mercy Me. Uh, people, I actually talked to a lady that attends the Greenville campus, um, and everybody loved it. It was great. And so I would say, and this is, this is, um, Tim, this is my opinion. Um, I would say for an occasional song or for a group like Mercy Me, it is a great idea, but I don't think it works on a consistent basis. And the reason why is if you're a multi-site church, um, I think it is essential to have a worship leader slash worship pastor in front of those people every week because he is going to be or, or she, and she you know whatever um, hopefully saved an email there he or she is going to be um, the most visible person on that campus. It's not really going to be the campus pastor. It's is going to be the worship leader, and so the people coming to that campus need a really do need a person to uh, to identify with. So I would. I would say for us, the way we've approached it is there have been times that we have broadcast a song, and um, uh, Mercy Me, I think, was the only time we've ever really broadcast an entire service. Uh, I, I would just say for us, we've, we've discovered that people really do enjoy the live worship leader. Um, I, think, I think there's something about a connection there that people are seeking um, each and every week. Yep, I agree with that. It's a good answer. Uh, next question
0: comes from Explosive Dest, D-E-T-E-S-T. Like that. That's just Boom! bizarre. But anyway, this is your question, Explosive. Here we go. Uh, what's your advice for creating and or sustaining momentum or excitement?
1: Uh, okay. Um, I'll I, I would say the first thing is – the pastor or the senior leader, senior pastor, chief, head honcho, whatever you call yourself, um, you've got to be excited. Mm-hmm. Like if you're driving to church going, I don't like these people, I don't like this town, this building sucks, I hate everything about this place, da-da-da-da-da, um, you're not going to have any momentum and you're not going to have any excitement in, in your church. You're just not. Um, I, In fact, I had a guy call me one time, and he said, man, I follow you on Twitter, I follow you on, my, on, my, on your blog, and I think you overhype your services. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, every time you tweet, you say, uh, this Sunday at New Spring is going to be the best Sunday ever. And every time on your blog, you're like, well, this Sunday at New Spring is going to be the best Sunday ever, and da-da-da-da-da. And I told him, I was like, I, but I, I really do believe that. Like, I really do believe I've, I haven't preached my best sermon. I think it's going to be the next one I preach. Um, I really do believe we haven't had our best Sunday yet. I think it's probably going to be next Sunday. Mm. I I really do believe that we haven't had our best year in ministry yet. I really do think that year is coming. Um, I really do think we haven't hit our stride yet. I think that's coming. I, I really do believe with all my heart that our best days are ahead of us. We say around here all the time, the best is yet to come. That's not a cute phrase. I mean, I freaking believe that with all my heart. And so I would say... That if you want excitement in your church, um, you've got to be excited. Who was it? Was it one of the Wesley brothers, or was it Jonathan Edwards that said, I set myself on fire and people just come and watch me burn? Was one, one of those the, guys. One of the church fathers that was really smarter, much smarter than me, um, but did not podcast because... Mm-hmm. He's dead. He's, yeah, he is. Anyway, but he, I, I, I'm, you've got to be excited. And that, that works for a, a worship leader, um, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, whatever... Um, If if you're not excited about the ministry you're leading, then the people following you will never be excited. Never, 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 never. So I I would say that's one of the the top ways. One of the the most practical things we do, Shane, is we try to stretch out times of momentum. Like, for example, I notice a lot of churches do their really hot series um, in January, like their relationship series in January. I mean, and they'll do another one in August. Well, the the thing we discovered is people start in the second week of January till about the middle of February, and it's starting about the second or third week of August until the end of September, people are going to come to your church. You could preach on the book of Leviticus, and people would show up, because for some reason, those times are times when people are talking about refreshing, renewing, you know, rededicate. It's, I, even, I hate that word. I should, so, But you know what I'm saying? People are talking about those things. Um, so one of the things we've done is, like, we'll put our relationship series at the end of one of those mm. times, or we'll put um, a parenting series or, or a money series or a hot topic series at the end of one of those times. That's one of the practical ways you can do it. But honestly, I'll go back to this every day. It's my trump card. Listen to the voice of God. Mm. And do what he says. Because we've got, I think, for our church, a really exciting plan for this fall. And it's starting, it's kicking off here in a few weeks. And it, it we literally have a great plan up until December. And then only God knows what we're going to do in December. Um, we're still praying through that. But I'm so excited. Because, Shane, the plan that we've put together was prayed through. It We sought the Lord. It, it's exciting. It's awesome. Um. At the end of the day, we didn't come up with that. God really showed us what he wanted us to do, and I, I'm more excited about the next four months of ministry and the potential that I see for um, this church than I've ever been in my life. So I, I would say the best way to sustain momentum, because honestly, um, like you always hear, you got to do the hot series. you got to do the hot series. you got to do the hot series. Well, the last three weeks in May, um, we did a series on Esther, and we, created a, we, we got really creative and just called it Esther. Um, that was the name of the series. And we had a lot of people show up for church in a time when the church typically really declines. And, you know, they'll say, you, you got to call it something that's hot. Um, Esther reminds me of, of a grandmother or something like that, but people showed up to church, and I, it's not because we were so creative and so smart, it's because we really did listen to God And then we did what he told us to do.
0: Yep. You know, one thing, Perry, you taught me uh, that you can't do, and
1: that's manufacture excitement. If you manufacture excitement for something, it's going to fail. If you can't be genuinely excited about it, then you don't need to do it. That's good. Got to pay attention to the cringe factor. Uh,
0: Last question, um, and this comes from at Lance Crawford. We've got time for this, I think. Uh, It's this. Very simple, Perry. What's your top ten tips for church planters?
1: Um, the first one is listen to the voice of God and do what He says. Number two, listen to the voice of God and do what He says. Number three, listen to the voice of God and do what He says. <laughs> Number four, listen to the voice of God and do what He says. Um, I don't. I don't know that I would uh, give ten, but I've I've blogged on this before. I've got a, on my blog. I've got a little um, section called Church Planting, and you can go there and click on that, and it's got some stuff. But I would tell church planters. Um, you got to dream big. Like if you're not dreaming big, then don't plant the church. Don't plant the church, and don't apologize for for dreaming big. Um, and dream big wherever you are, because we've heard some people go, well, "If I was in Chicago, or if I were in Atlanta, or if I were in L.A." Well, you are where you are because God put you there. Mm-hmm. So stop stop wishing you were somewhere else, and just be faithful where God planted you, and and dream big. Um, I would tell church planters to not try to be somebody else. Um, we should learn from other ministries, but we shouldn't seek to imitate. I, th- I think the the, the term um, I used several years ago is too many church planters are into imitation mm-hmm. and not revelation. And um, if you seek to imitate somebody, then it's going to fail because God already has that. Yep. Like God already has Andy Stanley. God already has Stephen Furtick. God already has Mark Driscoll. God needs you to step up and be you. Um, Another mistake is not growing as a leader. Um, In the early days of a lot of church planters' um, ministries, they're really desperate, but when their church starts growing and they begin to see some success, a lot of them want to hit the book and the speaking circuit, and they've only been doing it for half a year. So Mm -hmm. I would say you got to continue to grow as a leader. And growing as a leader means placing yourself in submission to and trying to learn from as many people mm-hmm. as possible. Um, I, I travel around and talk to a lot of pastors of a lot of churches, and most of them um, that I talk to, their churches aren't as big as New Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, to think that a pastor has to have a larger church than you um, to learn from them is both arrogant and foolish. Um, one of the best lessons I learned um, come, came from a pastor – whose church runs about 200 people, but he's about 68 years old and he's been in ministry for like 40 years. And so I figured that dude had some stuff to teach me about ministry because he's um, he's really close to finishing well. Mm. Um, I would say uh, another mistake is church planners make is they refuse to take risk. Um, it, I mean, if you're not, if, if you're following God, you're always going to feel like your back's against the wall. Um, and so playing it safe is uh, that God never called anybody to play it safe. Um, another mistake I think that church planters make is huge is they let people with money dictate the vision. Um, I, I've got a philosophy. Um, I don't know this for a fact, but so far it's been true. Every church planter, I believe, will face a huge money test within the first year of his church plant. Um the person with big money is going to walk away. The person who gave 65% of the budget here at New Spring Church walked away before we even had our first service. Um, and so I, I've met so many church planters who um, let the money person dictate the vision and the vision dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, God did not call us to be prostitutes um, to make pe- to perform a service to make people feel good. He called us to be prophets um, to declare the word of God and then people have to run out and deal with that. Um, it's not my job to to, to make it's my job to to lead and people a lot of times people with a lot of money have a hard time with that so I would say that's a mistake um not teaching about money is a mistake too I remember early in my church plan I wouldn't teach about money because I was scared that people would get mad and then I understood the only people that got mad about me teaching on money was were people that who money was their idol um, it's kind of like the only people that get mad, about adultery, when you teach on it, are the people that are screwing around with somebody, um, and so and and money's the only sermon we apologize for. We don't ever get up on a Sunday and go, "Today I'm going to preach about adultery." Now, for those of you that are screwing around with somebody, we're really sorry. We know you're going to get offended, and for those of you, we don't we don't do that. We just preach on it. But for money, we'll get up and apologize for it for 15 minutes before we start. Mm-hmm. So d- don't do that. Um, listening to the wrong people, oh my gosh, here's a here's a mistake that church planters make that drives me up the wall. They will buy a book written by a guy, usually a guy, who's never been a pastor, who's never planted a church, who's never done anything, but he has a philosophy, and he believes in this philosophy, which I, I think if he believed in it so much, he shouldn't have written a book about it. He should have freaking gone out and just done it, but they'll buy a book written by a guy that, that's clueless, and they'll go and build an entire ministry based on a philosophy that a guy wrote about but wasn't willing to put to the test. Mm-hmm. And so what drives me, cra- like, Christian leaders are the only people that will do that because we're the only ones stupid enough to buy But Because <laughs> let, let's say I wrote a book on surgery, and I wrote a book on how to do surgery, Ten Steps to Successful Surgery by Perry Noble. There's not a surgeon in America that would buy that book. And I could say, well, my wife's a doctor, my wife, and she's been in a – I was in an operating room once. They cracked me open and did surgery on me. That, that is stupid. There's not a surgeon in America that buy that book. The pastors run out and buy those books all the time. So I would say you've got to listen to the right people. You know, it, 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 people have asked me, who do you listen to, Perry, in ministry? And I go, I listen to the guys that have blood stains on their shirts. Um, I listen to the guys that have been in the ring who have fought the fight and who have blood on their shirts. Who Their shirts are dirty. Um, they've been through, the, they've got some battle scars. Um, the person who has pedicured hands and all, I, I just can't listen to that person because if, if, you haven't, if you haven't been in a ministry fight, then you have nothing to say to me. Mm-hmm. You have nothing to say to me. That's good. Um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, um, I wrote this down, too much prayer and not enough planning. But then another mistake is too much planning and not enough prayer. Um, I mean, seriously, both of those are equal mistakes. Um, I, I, those, those are just some of the ones that that pop out in my mind as far as uh, and 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 then the at the end of the day, church planner. One of the biggest mistakes that a church planner makes is thinking that his mistakes are going to kill him. Yeah. Because God is bigger than any mistake you could ever make. Um, he he is so. Huge, Shane. I look back at some of the stuff we did in our first three years, and I just I'm mortified at some of the things that we thought were great ideas that turned out to be really stupid, and just so grateful um, for that passage of scripture in Lamentations that says his, his you know his faithfulness and his mercies are made new every morning, um, and just understanding the truth God is bigger than any mistake you ever make. Your mistakes aren't going to kill you. Um, in fact. God kind of lets you make some mistakes to teach you how to never make that mistake again. So I would say those are some of the top ones.
0: I think those are good man. You can build uh, great churches around those ideas. Well, that's all the time we have for the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast this month. Again, we ask you to get yourself registered for the New Spring Leadership Conference that's coming in September. Don't miss out on the $99 rate and we will see you next time. Thanks for being here.